Welcome to the Blue Cord Podcast. This is a place where everyday Christian women like you get inspired to be authentic witnesses in your daily life so that people who don't know Jesus come to know him and make him known. Hey there, Blue Cord friend. Welcome back. I'm still traveling throughout the Middle East with my husband, Renaud, so you get one more solo episode before we go back to our normal routine. This one's all about bringing glory to God. In the church, we often throw around the words glory and glorify as if everyone knows what we're talking about. We read Bible verses and we sing all kinds of songs about glorifying God, like the heavens declare God's glory. And we even say all glory to God when something good happens. So, what does it mean to glorify God? Well, let's start with the basics. In the New Testament, the Greek word for glory is doxa. Now, this simple word can span a variety of meanings that embody God's brightness or splendor, his great power and strength and his majesty and honor. It's also used to describe giving glory by praising and honoring God. Now, Jesus modeled for us glorifying God through his life and his death and his resurrection. Jesus also has glory, and we see that in John 1.14, where it reads that we saw his glory, glory as belongs to the one and only begotten Son of the Father. As you progressively transform into Christ's image, you take on and share his glory too by praising and making known God's remarkable splendor and his astonishing, extraordinary works. Now, if you're reading your Bible regularly and you're seeking after the Lord in regular prayer time and you're pondering who he is, this is going to come naturally to you. And if you're not doing those things yet, then bringing glory to God will be hard to manufacture or to sustain. So what does it look like to glorify God practically? I think it helps to think first about all the ways you might be glorifying earthly things. Now, there is no judgment here. This is for illustrative purposes only. So just think about all the ways people give other people or things praise and honor. For example, I have a girlfriend who glorifies travel. She's always planning her next trip. It's like a cruise around the world, a trip to Iceland. You name it, she's planning for it. And I know this because I see all her travel pics on social media. One day she's riding a camel in Egypt, then she's hiking in the Alps, and then she's eating gross things in China. And when she comes home, she tells me crazy stories of all her travel, like where she stayed, what she ate, what it was like to drive there, where she shopped. Essentially, she's praising and honoring the most recent country she's visited. She's lifting up her travel, and she's making it glorious to me showing me all its splendor. Now, maybe you have friends who glorify political leaders. They post on social media what they love about their favorite politician. They travel hundreds of miles to see what their favorite leader says when he speaks or she speaks. They make sure everyone in their circle of influence knows exactly where their favorite politician stands on key issues and why they are important. They give money to support their leader. They are well-read and informed about the political issues of the day, and they volunteer their time to make sure their leader stays in office. 
they are glorifying their favorite political leader. Now, some believers glorify social causes. They're raising awareness for issues like sex trafficking, abortion, and racial reconciliation. They put their time, money, and influence behind these causes to raise awareness, change laws, get more people involved. They are glorifying social causes. Some women glorify their careers, some their children, some their homes or financial standing. Again, no judgment here. All of us are busy glorifying something other than God in ways big and small, whether in person or online. Yet here's the thing. We're not made to spend our time seeking after our own personal glory or the glory of another person or thing. Rather, we are made to glorify God and to proclaim His salvation to a lost and dying world. Here are just a few ways the Bible tells us to glorify God. As I share these verses with you, listen for the ones that most resonate with you today. First, from Jeremiah 9, 23-24. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. Here's one from 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So then, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of our great God. 1 Chronicles 16, 24. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the people. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then Jesus told us in John 15, 8, My Father is glorified in this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So, my blue cord friend, if you're a Christ follower, you are part of a royal priesthood. You've been set apart to live on this earth so that you will proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's from 1 Peter 2.9. So if we know how to glorify travel, politics, social causes, our children, our work, shouldn't we glorify God even more among the nations who live around us? Yet what does that look like? How do you glorify God among the nations practically? How do you do it when you get the mail? while you're waiting at the dentist office, or standing in line at the grocery store, what does it look like to purposefully declare God's glory to the nations around you at your kid's soccer practice or at the bank? Good question. Let me tell you a story or two of ordinary blue cord women, just like you, who have been practicing declaring God's glory to women from all these nations in their everyday lives. As you hear these stories, notice the simple, practical actions they took that brought praise, honor, and glory to our Lord. 
First, let me tell you about Kate. Now, Kate needed a new doctor, so she purposefully selected a woman with a name that hinted she might be from another faith or culture. And during her exam, Kate prayed that the Lord might open doors for her to glorify him. In the waiting room, Kate kept praying as she looked for clues about her doctor. Walking past the doctor's open office door on the way to her exam room, she noticed a family picture hanging on the wall. The women were all wearing headscarves. A young man with a white cap on his head, maybe her son, sat studying the Quran at a table. She suspected her new doctor might be Muslim. So when the doctor came into the exam room, Kate made small talk. How did you hear about me? What did you do for a living? Kate had a corporate role in sales, but she didn't mention that. Instead, she told her doctor that she was excited to be teaching English as a second language to Syrian refugees. Now, curious, her doctor asked her how she got involved in that work. Her doctor's simple, routine question was a door opener, the one that Kate had prayed for. So she said, I'm a follower of Jesus, and he put his love in my heart for Muslims. Well, then the doctor grew quiet. Then she surprised Kate when she admitted, I'm Muslim from Syria. If anyone should be doing this kind of work, it's me. I wish my faith were as strong as yours. Now, Kate responded with empathy, and the conversation grew deep quickly. Kate sat there on that exam table in her flimsy paper gown and told her doctor the good news about Jesus. It ended with Kate praying with her doctor in Jesus' name. Kate told me it was a holy moment. Even though my doctor didn't accept Jesus in that moment, I knew that I'd lifted up Jesus and I planted gospel seeds. And my doctor really took our spiritual conversation to heart. I felt privileged to have that conversation. Let me tell you another story. This is Natasha's story. Natasha, her husband Jake, and their three children had just moved to a large metropolitan city in the middle of the pandemic. Between their move, working as an elementary school teacher, and parenting three kids, Natasha's time was severely limited. And as soon as they could, her family started to look for a new church family where they could plug in. Now, Natasha told me it was important to her and her husband that they be intentional as a family about glorifying God and reaching the nations among us. They wanted to model sharing their faith for their kids, yet they didn't have time. So they had to be creative. They were going to go to church anyway, so they decided to find a place where they would have more opportunities to cross cultural and religious boundaries. So rather than plug into a traditional church with a congregation that looked and sounded just like them, they moved way outside their comfort zone, and they started to attend a small Burmese church filled with many refugees and immigrants from Southeast Asia. Now, it was awkward at first because they couldn't read Burmese— And they couldn't read the words on the screen during worship time. And they weren't always certain what they were eating during church potlucks. And yet they found these fellow believers in Christ were winsome and warm and wholehearted. 
and they began to love the church and the new friends that they made. And it didn't take long before Natasha started leading a woman's Bible study with brand new Christians from Buddhist and Muslim backgrounds. And one day, Natasha was invited to dinner at the home of a Buddhist friend of some of her Bible study women. The first thing Natasha noticed when she opened that front door was the family's Buddhist shrine. Talk about crossing cultural and religious boundaries. The whole experience was way outside Natasha's comfort zone. And so she prayed for opportunities to trust and glorify the Lord. And as the women invited to the meal got to know one another, Natasha just casually mentioned she was a follower of Jesus. And that opened up this rich spiritual conversation among the women about what Christians believe. The women from Natasha's Bible study, then they started to tag team as they shared God's love and they shared verses from the gospel about the Bible. The Buddhist women were inquisitive and receptive. And so when Natasha and her Bible study friends prepared to leave, they gifted each woman a Burmese Bible marked with specific verses to read. Natasha was filled with joy over the privilege of sharing the gospel with women who had never heard Jesus. And a week later, Natasha and her Bible study friends revisited that same group of women. This time, three of them accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, today, Natasha is discipling three new believers from Buddhist backgrounds in her Bible study. Let's take a quick break for me to share some big news. If you've been loving this Blue Cord podcast, then I think you're going to love our Blue Cord Women's Conference coming on September 29th and 30th in Dallas, Texas in 2023. Now that's the last weekend in September, so mark your calendar now so that you can make plans to join us and maybe even come with a carload of friends. More details will be coming soon, and we're going to be needing volunteers to help with that. So if that's something you'd be interested in, just drop me an email to Karen, K-A-R-E-N, at ihopeministries.org. Thanks so much. Now back to the program. Okay, last story. This is Stephanie's story. My friend Stephanie feared people of other faiths, especially Muslims. And she was suspicious about their intentions. Now, Stephanie knew that this lack of compassion she had within her heart did not come from the Lord and that something needed to change. So when her church began offering ESL, English as Second Language, classes, Stephanie signed up right away to be a teacher. And she'd never done anything like that before. She said, I knew there were women of other faiths and cultures who lived around me. And yet, I never ran into any of them in my day-to-day life. So stepping outside of her comfort zone like that to teach ESL was a way that she could be more intentional about glorifying God among the nations. She was tithing her time. Now, on her first day in the classroom, Stephanie was stunned to realize she had students from 12 countries represented in her tiny little classroom. And it was the first time she had ever met or interacted with Muslims. Many of her students in that class had come from Islamic nations, where it is illegal for Christians to share the good news of Jesus. Yet there she was. Being an ESL teacher 
was way outside her comfort zone. Yet she pressed on and she formed relationships with those students in her classroom. And during Christmas, Stephanie invited two Muslims from her class to attend church with her family. Now, she invited them half-heartedly. She was just going through the motions, assuming they would decline. But not only did they attend, they accepted an invitation to church again the next Sunday, too. And one of her students began attending church with her regularly, and she was later baptized as a Jesus follower a month later. Stephanie told me, once I became willing to glorify the Lord among the nations, and once I became willing to bring the truth to them, I saw Muslim women set free. There is so much joy in that. If Stephanie can bring glory to God in this way, maybe you can too. So my friend, what are you glorifying? Where do you find joy? These three women focused on glorifying the Lord by proclaiming him among the nations. And then they discovered the great joy that comes from sharing their faith and seeing these same women responding to the gospel. The Apostle Paul tells us that he and his ministry team experienced this same source of joy from new believers in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, we read, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Now, who is the you Paul is talking about? Well, they are the new believers in Thessalonica and those believers yet to come who embrace and believe the gospel message. These are people in which Paul and his team found glory and joy. Now, Paul does not mean that he seeks glory from men. He's saying that the new believers who heard and accepted the gospel through him will be his hope, joy, and crown of boasting before Jesus at his return. My friend, can you imagine boasting about the great joy that comes from sharing your faith and seeing women of other faiths responding to the gospel? You're on your way there. It all starts by putting all your focus on glorifying God more than people or things. Now, in Jesus' last days on earth, he prayed for his disciples. John records Jesus' prayer in John 17. Listen to this prayer carefully and note Jesus' deepest desire for his disciples. That's you. In John 17, 1 through 3, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 17, 4, 5. I glorified you on earth. This is Jesus talking. 
having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. And John 17, 22 and 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Now this is Jesus talking. The glory you have given to me, Father, I have given to them, the disciples, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Now, British evangelist G. Campbell Morgan said, the deepest passion of the heart of Jesus was not the saving of men, but the glory of God, and then the saving of men, because that is for the glory of God. Let me read that again. This is so important. The deepest passion of the heart of Jesus was not the saving of men, but the glory of God, and then the saving of men, because that is for the glory of God. Oh, do not miss this, my friend. Jesus' primary focus was to glorify God first, and then to save you, because saving you glorifies God. So, Blue Cord friend, what does this mean to you, and how you live? We'll start here. Notice and release chasing any personal glory so that you can devote your time, your energy, and your efforts to chase after a holy, righteous, amazing God. Your first focus should be to glorify God and then to bring others to Jesus. Because by doing that, you'll glorify God. So from this point forward, whenever you sense yourself thinking about or feeling concerned about what others might think about you, if you were to share your faith, pause and take notice, because that's a sure sign that you might be glorifying people more than God. Ask yourself, now where is that thought coming from, and what do I need to be doing about it? Remember this, if nothing else, it's nearly impossible to point others to the Lord when you're not first awestruck by God's glory yourself. So dig in, stand firm, seek the Lord's hand, sing songs praising God, read the Bible, ruminate over passages about God's glory. Borrow and pray that prayer Moses prayed in Exodus 33:18. He said, please show me your glory. Don't stop until you are awestruck over God's glory, my friend. Only then will you relish the joy and the privilege of sharing the gospel with women of other faiths because you know in your core that it will bring God more glory. And bringing God more glory will bring you more glory. Thanks for joining me. I'd love to know more about you and how this podcast is serving you. Make sure to sign up to get our weekly emails on the website at thebluecord.org. Then when you get an email from me, you can jot me back a note. If you're enjoying the Blue Cord podcast or the book, would you post an online review so that others know what to expect? That would mean a lot. Thanks so much. Have a great week.